Coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I typically follow a uh, moderately high protein, low fat diet. So 40% protein, 40% carbs, 20% fat. Um, nothing is off limits. Obviously, the closer you get to competition, the tighter your diet gets. Um, we call like dirty foods, like, you know, the protein powders, the protein bars start to go away. You go at completely unprocessed. Um, but, you know, for my clients, it's typically... Most women don't eat, most women and men, and men don't eat enough protein, right? So that's one of the tweaks is making sure you eat enough protein. And that will typically help you stay full, help you build muscle, um, and then just really take a hard look at your fats and, pro, uh, fats and carbs. Where are those coming from? Like, you know, you might, may want to limit the, the pizza and the donuts and stuff and really focus on the whole grains, the sweet potato, the, the avocado, like the healthy unprocessed foods, that 80-20 that rule. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed online fitness and nutrition coach, Allison Jackson. We discussed how she became a professional fitness competitor and dials in her diet for competition. We also touched on the importance of protein, building muscle for women, roll a meditation for health, rest and recovery tips, and her one tip to get your body back to what it once was. This was a hard-hitting episode with Allison. We touched on a lot of great topics. I know you'll enjoy this one. I did too. Thanks so much for listening. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. My guest today is Allison Jackson. She's an online fitness nutrition coach out of New Jersey. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. It's great to be here. Yeah, I was just on Allison or Allison interviewed me last week. So we're doing a bit of a swap here and uh, excited to have you on. I, I was I was going through your website. Looks like and you can tell the audience you work mainly with corporate moms. Is that right? Yes. Yes. That's my, my main target audience. Uh, women in their like 40s to 60s kind of had the kids are headed towards perimenopause and menopause. <laughs> mm. And and what made you go down this road? Yeah, well, it's funny. It's um, I always find, and I don't know, you might find the same thing. You typically coach people like yourself, right? So <laughs> obviously when I first got started, it was moms who maybe had younger kids. And now as we kind of enter the next stage of life, um, I feel like I could relate to that that group very well. Yeah, and, and just with your past, I noticed you did some, um, fitness competitions. I'd love to hear how you got into that. And, uh, I know you, did you turn pro in 2019? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, it's funny. Everyone always asks, like, how did you get started with that? And I actually used to, uh, read my dad's muscle fitness magazine. So I used mm. to work out on his weight bench in our unfinished basement. Um, and I always looked at the pictures of those bodybuilders like Corey Everson and Jay Cutler and all the like the eighties and nineties bodybuilders. And I was like, gosh, I would love to one day be able to do that. Like, can you really transform your body through diet and exercise? So, um, it became a bucket list item and it kind of always was in the back of my mind. So went to college, got married, had kids. And in 2012, I was like, I'm doing it. I'm just going to pull the trigger and mm. do it. I had done marathons, triathlons. I was like, this is the next kind of fitness challenge. Um, and I did it and I got hooked. So I've been competing every year since then. Um, I did my last show, uh, in August awesome. and, uh, yeah, it's, it's like, once you get the bug, that's it. So you do you do a show like once a year. Is that typical? 
Okay. Yeah. So since I started, I've been doing a show every year, minus the pandemic, because obviously there there weren't any shows going on. Um, and then this is actually the first time I've made a conscious decision to take off two years to rebuild, kind of regroup. Um, this last one kind of threw me for a loop. As we get older, it just gets harder. Like women are like always asking, oh, with my hormones and menopause, what do I need to do differently? You need to do the same thing, but it's just that much harder and takes that much longer. Yeah, it's interesting. Um what would you say, I guess, do you go through like a cutting stage? Maybe explain to us how you get ready sure. prep for a competition. I'm just curious to know how you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I always say I'm a professional dieter. So I typically gain <laughs> and lose 15 to 20 pounds each year. Wow. Um, so I, um, my stage weight, I'm five, six, my stage weight is 125 pounds. Okay. Um, but in the off season, I, you know, get up to 145, 150. So what it starts doing is I, I track my macros and um, I start cutting. I give myself at least six to seven months mm. um, and it's just a slow, steady cut. Um, you know, obviously in the beginning, it doesn't seem astringent, but then by the end, um, you know, super low calories, low fat, um, just watching literally everything, including condiments, spices, the stick of gum I have, like mm. everything that you consume. Uh, so it gets really, really strict and disciplined, but it is very slow and steady. So that, that I think that's an important point to make that gone are the days of the 12 week cuts mm. for competitions. And I guess, what did you learn about yourself and, and that you can apply to clients, you know, for yourself, if you weren't in competitions, what would your normal weight be around? Would it be about 145 one in that range? And okay. Yeah, that's what it's funny because that's what I'm trying to fix. So, of course, so, you know, coaches need coaches. So I have a, a, a competition coach right now and mm -hmm. we're trying to figure that out. Like, where is a good maintenance weight where it doesn't feel like I'm still dieting? Because my happy weight is 138, 140. Like, I feel good in a bikini. I feel good in my clothes. So 145, 150, I'm feeling a little fluffy. Um, so we are trying to figure out where's that happy weight where I don't feel like I'm dieting and I feel like I'm at a good, a good, comfortable weight. And so if you're going to cut, what, what, uh, what steps do you go through and do you apply those same principles with the clients you work with? Let's say they want to cut a little bit, not necessarily for a competition, but you know, yeah, just... yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I do apply, um, the same way that I apply it to myself. I apply it to them. I typically follow a uh, moderately high protein, low fat diet. So 40% protein, 40% carbs, 20% fat. Mm. Um, nothing is off limits. Obviously, the closer you get to competition, the tighter your diet gets. Um, we call like dirty foods, like, you know, the protein powders, the protein bars start to go away. You go at completely unprocessed. Um, but, you know, for my clients, it's typically most women don't eat, most women and men, and men don't eat enough protein, right? So that's one of the tweaks is making sure you eat enough protein. And that will typically help you stay full, help you build muscle, um, and then just really taking a hard look at your fats and pro, uh, fats and carbs. Where are those coming from? Like, you know, you might, may want to limit the, the pizza and the donuts and stuff and really focus on the whole grains, the sweet potato, the, the avocado, like the healthy unprocessed foods, that, that 80, 20 rule. Mm -hmm. And as far as protein is concerned, most men, like you said, and women un probably under eat protein. How do you implement, um, adding in protein to individuals dies, mainly just trying to get in animal proteins and, and build around that. Yeah. So what I tell people the best way is to make protein the foundation of each meal and snack. 
Um, and that could be egg whites, chicken breast. It could be a protein bar, protein powder. Um, it could be anything that, that you enjoy eating. That's most important. We don't want people torturing themselves. Like if you are not a meat eater, don't eat meat. Um, there are, you know, edamame, tofu, seitan, there, there's non-meat products that you can eat uh, to be able to hit that goal. Um, and for most people, it's it's one gram per year lean body mass or one gram per year target body weight um, is what I typically set my clients at. Gotcha. So if you're 145 and you want to get the, like you said, one, what's your competition rate? 125? 125. 125. So you're aiming for 125 grams of protein a day. Exactly. And you exactly. split that up within two meals, three meals, or how do you go about that? I, I try to spread it throughout the day. It's okay. funny because um, once you become used to eating protein, it's almost like now I take in so much protein. I have to, I have to like watch myself, but <laughs> I try to spread it out throughout the day so that you're not jamming down like 60 grams of protein at one sitting. Right. And what would you say to women who are like, Oh, I don't know. You know, I hear this sometimes. I don't want to lift because I would get bulky. Yes. <laughs> we, yes. I'm sure you hear this. What, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> that is my favorite, favorite myth. I always say yes. I've been, I've been competing, lifting as heavy as I can for what, over 10 years now. Yeah. And I'm lucky like newbies might gain two or three pounds of muscle. I'm lucky if I gain a pound or two a year, because mm. when you cut, Granted, at the beginning, it's a lot of fat, but towards the end, it's also muscle. So when you're right. cutting, you you tend to lose both. You can't, I mean, you try your best to distinguish between fat and pro, and muscle, but, mm -hmm. um, and I always say to women, you're not toning, you're building muscle. So it, it's removing right. the body fat to to unveil that the, the muscle underneath. Right. Toning is such like a, it's just not, it, it shouldn't be a word. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah, it really shouldn't be a word. Um, and then what about like, I, I noticed on your website, you talk a little bit about like mindful eating and the role of like mindset. How do, how do you apply that to your, you know, to your eating and to your clients? Yeah. So um, during the whole competition journey, as I mentioned, you know, during the pandemic, there weren't any competitions. So during that time, I actually pursued my yoga teacher certification, um, which really helped me to get an understanding of the whole mind, body, spirit aspect. I always thought, oh, diet, nutrition, diet, nutrition, discipline. Um, but it's really having the right mindset, having a growth mindset, um, you know, visualization, positive affirmations, um, and being mindful. And part of that, you know, I always say um, it's meditation, mindfulness, mindset. They all build upon each other. So when you meditate, you are practicing mindfulness. And when you're mindful, it's going to help your mindset. So I always tell my clients, that's the biggest hurdle when, when it comes to reaching your health and fitness goals. It's making sure, you know, mindful eating, like eating without distractions, super hard to do. I highly recommend everybody try it because we usually eat mm. in front of the TV, with our phone, with a book, with some things that distract us. Doing work at lunch, you're, you just pop in front of the computer. Um, it's hard to be mindful and eat, but it makes you so much more self-aware of if you're full, are you enjoying the food? Mm. Um, it, I think it's super important. Yeah, I like that you bring that up because- I always talk about, you should have all your meals sitting down at a table. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Not like in the car. And I've this, normally I am sitting down at a table, but we all, it happens from time to time. Right. But if you could do all your meals and even, even if you're going to snack, do your snacks at a table, because I think that's what happens with a lot of people is they're snacking on the road or, you know, maybe the movie theater or things like that. I mean, I'm not a big fan of snacking in general, but I feel like if you're going to do that, 
sit at a table. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. And I know so many times you get caught up at work that you're you're eating as you do work. And all of a sudden you look at your plate and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even remember what I ate, how much I ate. I can't believe it's gone already because I didn't even, wasn't really thinking about it. Um, so I love that idea of eating. Cause I know a lot of times people are standing at the counter, they're, they have their plate in their hand, they're, you know, walking around. It's like, no, make it, make it, uh, you know, like a, a ritual, right? Sit down and eat. And it only takes you 10, 15 minutes to actually eat, you know, a meal or snacks. So it's not like a huge amount of time out of your day. Yeah. I explain that to my dogs because <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I just, I got them both slow feeders so they can slow down a little bit when they're eating. <laughs> There's a people need, people need people, slow feeders. You know what? That's great. Inv- actually, I just thought of something. Yeah. If individuals need slow, slow feeders, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> and they need to chew their food. <clears throat> right. That's yes. a big thing. I think if you consciously chew your food, I, I'm, I'm victim of it. Sometimes I'd, I'll, I won't chew my food as much as I, I should. And I think that helps get you satiated and help, you know, it'll slow you down. It'll slow you down for sure. Right. Or like even, you know, taking bites and putting your fork down. I'm like, I'm a big one of that. Or it's like, you're, you're putting another bite in. you're not done chewing the first one. It's like being, <laughs> again, being mindful of how yeah. you're eating, how quickly you're eating. What do you do re- regarding like meditation? Um, do you, is this something that you practice every night or do you do it in the morning or how, what's your routine like? Yeah. So I poo-pooed meditation for the longest time. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing it wrong. This doesn't work <laughs> for me. All the, all the excuses everybody has. And then right. I said, all right, I'm just going to try it for like a minute and then build off of that. So, um, there's three apps. I've tried them all. I enjoy them all, but I started with guided meditation. So there's calm, um, insight timer and headspace. There's three free meditation apps. Yeah, started. At, at least, <laughs> right. I mean, right. at a minimum, yeah. I mean, there's tons, but those are probably the three most popular, but starting with a guided meditation and then build off of there. So for me personally, before I log on to my computer in the morning, I do at least a five, 10, 15 minute meditation, depending mm. on how I, you know, how I'm feeling that day. It, it just gets you grounded, clears your head. Just, it's just a great start to the day. How about you? Do you, med- do you meditate? I do. I, I mean, I do enjoy yoga. I do hot yoga at least, at least once a week. I, I wish I would did, did it more, but at least once a week, I always leave there thinking, why don't I do this more? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really do. I, I, it's such a great balance. Cause like, you know, if you're lifting and, or doing some type of cardio, it's just like a nice balance. Um, so I, I, I think of yoga as some type of meditation, but up above and beyond that, <clears throat> I've been doing not every day. I, I should do it every day, but I'll do meditation before bed. Mm, actually. That's a good one. I just find that it sort of, it like separates the day from like time to go to sleep, you know, like it, yes. it, it, it's like switching, hitting a switch. And so I find that I, I enjoy that, but, but yeah, mo- anything morning mindful in the morning or in the evening, I think is you know, or in the middle of the day, I, I guess it, there's yeah. no bad time to do meditation. It's funny that you mentioned middle of the day, because that has been like, I, I know three o'clock, sometimes I either get a headache or I want a sugar fix, or you get to that point where you're just like, I'm spent. I've actually been, um, I call it napitating, but I, I do like mm. a 10 minute and it's almost like a sleep meditation. And you're like, right. That like, you're like hanging right there, like on the borderline of like sleep and meditating, but I find it, it's a great way to recharge. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Even just like a, a short power nap is great. Um, yeah. so regarding, um, rest and recovery, I wanted to touch on that because I think that gets lost sometimes. And I'm sure as a competitor, you had times where you felt like maybe you were overdoing it and not getting enough rest and recovery. What type of things do you implement for that? 
Yeah, that is a super important one. And it's funny because I just did um, I just did a video on that, on how restroom recovery should really be a part of your workout plan. Like make sure that you're incorporating actual formal rest days. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a competitor, it's funny, I used to wear that, that badge of honor of waking up at 4.30 in the morning to go to the gym, sleeping, you know, five hours. And it's like rest is in terms of rest, sleep is super important, but also looking at different ways to recover. So like hot yoga or foam rollers or massage or stretching or regular yoga, um, incorporating those even active types of recovery and rest are so important. Um, and, you know, especially as a competitor, you, when your calories are reduced, your workouts are increased, it's like you, you're like, you know, wearing your body down. So, so recovery and doing different things like that are super important to prevent injury, to kind of keep you going, um, for sure. And what are your splits like? I'm just curious, uh, when you're getting ready for a competition as far as lifting. Yeah, I typically do a five day split. I do, um, two to three lower body and then one upper body. Um, that's what I said. I like to hear that. I like to hear that. I think most people reverse that, (laughs) (laughs) right. They like to do the upper body. Like I remember just, you know, working out with friends and through the years, people are like, want to do always do upper body. I've always enjoyed lower body. Um, and I think at least two times a week of each upper lower is, is a good place to start. Yeah. And I typically do three on the lower because obviously I have my weak, my weak parts are my lower body for mm-hmm. as is most women. Um, but it's funny. I liked hearing that as a guy that you focus on lower. Cause I know a lot of guys, including someone I'm married with married to <laughs> love, just focus on the upper. They don't need the lower. <laughs> oh my God. I, I mean, I love lower. I, my, my wife, although is not happy because it's, there's not a lot of shorts or pants that you fit into when you have like a, maybe a leaner waist and big thighs. Like I have, I've not found that. So if anyone's have, have heard of uh, a good short line that ha- that's geared towards <laughs> that, let me know. Um, Love it. yeah, no lower body. I always say, and, and maybe you can add on this, the importance of lower body. What, 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 what is make that such more important than upper body? So I think it's really important to be balanced. So if you're going to, you know, work the lower or work the, you, you, you have to do your whole body. So I know that people are like, oh, I don't do calves or, oh, I don't do, you know, like pick a body part. Women, I don't do chest. You need to do every, every muscle in your body because they're all interrelated, interconnected. I always say to my husband, like he, when he gets back issues, I'm like, it's probably because you don't work your lower body. Hmm. Like, you know, the, it's like the, the different muscle groups that you use when you squat, when you deadlift, when you do lower, lower body is so important. Yeah. And I would just tell him that if he's lift, if he starts lifting more lower body, it's going to increase his lifts for his upper body because you know, you're stimulating. I I actually think that like, if you're stimulating more hormones and more testosterone doing lower body, first of all, your glutes, your biggest muscle anyways. So, and if you focus on that, that'll sort of help uh, increase your lifts on your upper body. Mm, I'm going to, I'm going to share that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he will. He'll get stronger in the upper body for sure. Um, what about like, as far as if you're working with a new client, like, for example, what is your calorie count normal, not competition? You know, what's your baseline? My baseline. So my, you know, TDEE, my total total is right around like 2,100, 2,200. Okay. And then if you're cutting, you're cutting to what? So I, I'll start around 1800, then 1700, 1600. So by the end, I'm at a level that I tell my clients not to eat at, which is usually around 1200. 
Right. Um, I've gone as, as long as low as like, you know, 50 grams of carbs. You know, we do a lot of carb cycling. Um, the protein never changes, but the carbs and fats get, get tweaked throughout Good. the, uh, the prep get adjusted. So you bring, you bring the calories down. You also bring the carbs down, keep the protein the same and the fats about the same, or maybe. Yeah. Bring... The fats will go up and down. So like we'll do carb cycling. And if my carbs are really low, my fats will be a little bit higher. And mm. then when we jack up the carbs, we'll bring down the fats. Okay. And when you're talking carbs, what are typical carbs like that you're consuming? Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of sweet potatoes, um, rice cakes, um, regular rice, it's a mix, but you know, as you get closer, like I said, it's a lot less processed, but nothing is off limits. So like on a refeed day, I might have, you know, a slice of pizza. Um, mm. of course, if I'm like five weeks out, I will not. <laughs> right. So it just gets stricter and stricter as you get closer and closer. And, and, uh, if you're working with like, just say a busy mom, you're obviously handling that a little bit differently. How do you, how do you work with someone that says they just want to lose a little bit and get some muscle? Yeah. So what I'll typically tell them is, um, I think one of the most important things is really meal prepping. So coming up with a game plan of how to set yourself up for success mm -hmm. to make sure that those challenges and obstacles and stress and all the things that come up during the week don't derail you. Um, and usually dinner for most working moms is the toughest, uh, the toughest meal for, with the rest of the family. So trying right. to give them healthy, fast uh, recipes that the whole family will enjoy that will help them hit their macros. Um, is usually how I, I get my clients kind of hit the ground running. Okay. And as far as like, we'll talk about one more pillar of health, which is sleep. How do you help your clients optimize sleep? Mm, so I, I always tell them that they need to find ways to de-stress. And I always recommend meditation, mm. um, having a sleep routine. So winding down, like to your point about meditating before bed, um, whether that's shutting off the electronics, getting in your pajamas, whether it's a warm bath, reading a book just creating a routine that sets you up for sleep and then making sure you have a good sleep environment. That's dark. The temperature is right. There's not, you know, everything stays out of the bedroom, uh, the electronics and stuff. So um, that's how I typically try to help my clients and then try to come up with a sleep schedule, try to go to bed and wake up the same time if possible, including on the weekends, because uh, it's going to make your life that much easier. Yeah. I love that. I, I think having a consistent time that you go to sleep is like so important. And then giving yourself like an hour or two to just like wind down and do things that aren't maybe in front of a screen. Mm -hmm. Super important. Yeah. I didn't even want to put a TV in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I never grew yeah. up with a TV in my bedroom. And then we did put one in because we moved about a year ago and we never use it. I think, you know, oh, that's so, so funny. I, I mean, it's funny. We have a TV in the bedroom, but I like watching it as I get ready in the morning, like watching whatever the morning news, but okay. I typically don't, don't watch it at night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this was great. I wanted to do a sort of a hard hitting episode with you. And perhaps uh, this is a question I ask, and I know you asked me a tough question for ours. So this one's, I don't think it's too tough, but what, what advice would you give a middle-aged woman or even man who's looking to get their body back? Maybe they're in their forties yeah. and their fifties, like your typical client, and they want to get their bodies back to maybe they, when they were in their thirties, um, what tip would you give them? Yeah. So I always tell people, I'll, I actually give three steps to take to just like to get the, to get the ball rolling, right? Start tracking your food in my fitness pal or other free app that tracks your macros. It'll give you a full nutrient or nutritional like report out everything from your sugar, your fiber, protein, carbs, fat. So just do a baseline, see where you're at, see how many calories you're taking in, mm -hmm. then try to hit 
10,000 steps or wherever you're at, track your steps. If you're at 5,000, shoot for seven. If you're at seven, shoot for 10, just move because you actually burn more calories moving throughout the day than you do in a dedicated workout. Dedicated mm -hmm. workout is super important. Don't get me wrong, but to get started from ground zero, that's what you want to do. You want to track your food. You want to get your steps in and then finding a way to manage stress and manage your energy is so, so important. Um, Cause that's going to help you sleep. It's going to help you hit your nutritional goals and your movement goals. So those are always like my kind of three go-tos. Yeah. I love that three tips, but we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Allison, where's the best place for people to find you? <clears throat> you could come visit me at allisonjacksonfitness.com, And I have the same social handle as well. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing knowledge with us today. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine. And I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.